0: read verses 6 through 12, 1 Peter 2, beginning at verse 6. Wherefore also is it contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Title of the message tonight, A Confidence That Glorifies the Lord the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your opportunity we have to look under thy precious word. I pray that you to encourage us and challenge us and may you be glorified we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes people may look at you like you're arrogant. I remember out on visitation some years back uh, another one, men and I, and we were knocking on this door, and uh, the other fellow was—he was doing the talking to this, this door, and he asked her uh, if she knew that—I can't remember exact wording—but anyway, he asked her if she knew that uh, when she died she'd go to heaven. And she said, "No." Do you? And he said. Yes, I do. And she was a little taken back by that. But we can have confidence in our salvation. And that's not that's not confidence in us. It's confidence in the Lord. So as we consider this passage of Scripture tonight, I want to consider a confidence that uh, we can have a confidence that glorifies the Lord. So. If, First of all, we can have confidence in our Savior. Now, let's, let's think about this. First thing I want to mention is, there's the shame or disgrace of the world, it's found in this passage. You know, they don't have that confidence. It's, it's a shame or disgrace. And the verses 7 and 8 says, Unto you therefore which, be, which believe, he is precious. But of them but to be disobedient. And the word disobedient is used twice in these two verses, verse 8 also. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So as you think about some of the words here, you know, as you think about the, the, the shame or disgrace of the word world, and I use those two words in purpose, because um, the word confounded means to be ashamed, or to to be dis, to be shamed or to be disgraced. The word disobedient means to simply disbelieve, and it's a. It, it, the idea here is to disbelieve willfully, in other words, to refuse to believe. So they know of the truth, but they refuse to believe. They are disobedient. Remember in the parable of the pines, I think it was the ten pounds. Jesus said this in Luke nineteen fourteen. But his citizens hated him, and the sending a ha- message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And I believe what Jesus is saying in that parable was, that's what you're saying to me. He's speaking to the Pharisees. What you're saying is, we will not have you reign over us. So that's the idea of disobedience. So the world is disobedient. They have disallowed the, the, the precious stone, which is Christ. They've disallowed. They've rejected. They've repudiated it. They don't want anything to do with it. The word also stumbling or stumble is used twice. Verse 8. It's a stono stumbling and which stumble at the word. And that means an occasion to apostasy or offense. And the idea is here is to strike at or beat upon. Did you ever walking through the dark and you stumbled over something and it kind of angered you? That's that's the idea here. You're angry with an obstacle in your path. The Jews recoiled from Jesus as one who failed to meet their ideas of what the Messiah was to be. And they recoiled at him. They were angry at him. You know, it reminds me of the the parable of the uh, the seed and the sower. Remember the, the 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 seed that was sowed in the stony places, and it says they received the word with joy, and and you know it sounds good at first, but but after by and by they are offended. You know when the, the Pharisees and all of Jerusalem first heard about the Messiah being born, everybody there was excitement in town. But when he came on the scene preaching the kingdom of God the excitement for some went away. You know, the rich young ruler came 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 running, but his excitement soon left when he realized Jesus said, go sell the house, come follow me. Oh, i got to give up my love of money. That's what it was. He was covetous. Oh, you mean... You mean the Lord wants me to surrender my whole life to him? He expects me to live for him? You know, many have just given a water down Romans Road, pray after me salvation. It's just a fire escape, and they have no desire. In fact, they recoil at living to please the Lord. Romans nine thirty one says, But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness, they had their own standard of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Verse 32, wherefore, or or why? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. So they had their own standard or their own ideas of what or how to attain righteousness. And they would not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. As the way of righteousness. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. In other words. Their faith was not genuine. Many times people. Will talk about their faith. But it's not genuine. It's it's just an emotion. got caught, Caught up in some emotional high. So. You know this rejection. This disobedience. Will bring you. To shame. And disgrace. Now, think about this. The Pharisees thought they had one up on Jesus. They really did. I mean, they would get rid of him. They feared, he. you see, they feared he would cause them problems politically. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. <clears throat> John chapter 11, verse 47. <clears throat> It says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let thus alone, him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. See what they're afraid of? See, Jesus didn't meet their expectations. He didn't meet their ideas of what a Messiah should be. Verse 49, And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. You see, he's a problem to them politically. And they think they just need to get rid of him and everything will be okay. And they'll be back in the good graces with everyone. But you know what? They are still an embarrassment to the world. Think about it. They lost what honor and dignity they had, and they lost their beloved Jerusalem, and what what they did is still considered one of the most outrageous criminal actions of all time. Not to mention, they're in hell tonight. You see, because of their disobedience, they've been shamed and disgraced. Now if you if you reject the Lord in disobedience it'll bring shame and disgrace on your life so so we see the the shame and disgrace of the world but but notice but notice the opposite of that the confidence of the child of God verse 6 says wherefore also is contained in the scriptures behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded and the word confounded means to shame down or to put to blush were you ever embarrassed? you know you know when I was in school, people like used to sit and my siblings did and I had plenty of them to do it they 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 used to like it do because they I was easily embarrassed. It's kind of hard to embarrass me now but I was easily embarrassed and I and my ears would get red you know about the color of my hair used to be Mrs. Brock. Uh, my ears would get red and of course that made everybody laugh no but it says here that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded he'll not be embarrassed he'll not be disgraced he'll not be shamed down Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen says therefore thus saith Lord God behold I lay in Zion a foundation stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone a sure foundation. Now think about all that. You think about a foundation stone, that's something that's, that's vital, that's, that's, that's necessary. It's, it's something that's uh, very important. Uh, a tried stone, something that's put to the test. A precious cornerstone, something of value. And then it says a sure foundation. Something you can, you can rest upon and have trust and confidence in. And it says And he that believeth shall not make haste. In other words, he'll walk confidently. Have assurance. Romans 9.33 As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offence, fence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Proverbs 14.26 In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You know, Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men they they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus you know this you know i can imagine that that probably in that group that peter and john are standing before and being accused for disobeying the law of the sanhedrin and preaching the gospel of jesus christ i imagine there's probably a few in that crowd that maybe were at the crowd that was at the trial, when Peter said, "I know not the man. I never knew him," and all of a sudden here he is, and they says they saw the boldness, the confidence. Acts four thirty one, when they had prayed, the place was shaken, they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God. With boldness, Ephesians three twelve. In whom we have boldness. See again, where does our confidence, where does our boldness come from? An access with confidence by the faith of Him. Hebrews ten nineteen. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus. First uh, John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. You see the word boldness means all out outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, assurance, or confidence. And it says that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. We do not have to fear God because of him, because of him. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Ephesians 3.12 again, In whom we have boldness. Hebrews 10.35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, with which hath great recompense of reward. You see, our confidence is believing on him. Verse 6 and 7. Again, it says, Wherefore also is contained in the Scripture, Behold, a lay in Zion a chief corner stone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders allowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So believing in him builds one's faith. Again, it's an action word. I think it was. Uh, I guess it was Thursday night I talked about building your faith, you know and as we continue to believe on him you know it's not enough just to believe in him for salvation that's just the beginning. We need to continue to believe on him the disciples continued believing in his promises and trusting in his word and trusting him to give them boldness and power that's what he promised he said i uh, he said that uh, I, I, that uh um, um Trying to remember how um, Acts 1 8 goes. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. He said, this, this will happen to you. And they just took him at his word. They continued to believe on him, you see. So so we have. We can have confidence in our Savior. But again, it's not of us. It's of Him. Our confidence is in Him. Secondly, we are chosen to represent Him. Notice verses 9 and 10 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now there's some similarities between things that are said here about his churches and the nation of Israel but we have something better than that. Well notice those th- these things. First of all we're a chosen generation. The word chosen means elect. Elect people. We are chosen We are are chosen, we are authorized to be witnesses for him. He said to the disciples, ye shall receive power, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When Paul writes to the church at Corinth, basically what he's telling them is that they are chosen to be a witness for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others epistles of con- commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as ye manifestly declare to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and graven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? You know, when he's talking about Moses there, he's talking about Mount Sinai, and they couldn't look at that. And, 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 you know, and Moses' face shone so brightly. Should not the, the, the ministration of the Spirit be more glorious than that? For the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. You know, that we, we have a ministration of, of righteousness. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. So the Old Testament, or the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament is done away in Christ. And so what we have is more glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, And not as Moses put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, seeing we have received this, we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not, but renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not working in craft, walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commanding ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul says, you know, we have this ministry that's been given to us. We've been chosen to represent Him to be witnesses for Him here in this in this period of time. And it is a ministry more glorious than, the, than Moses, which is done away in Christ. So that which remains is more glorious. You know, a lot of people like magnificent experiences. What would it have been like when Moses said, don't come any further than this. And all of a sudden the mountain's black and there's thunder and lightning and you hear the voice of God thundering out of the mountain. Wow. You know, Peter, when they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and all of a sudden the Lord Jesus is transfigured and it comes white as snow and, and Moses and Elijah appear and they're talking with him and, and he don't know what to say. and He says, Lord, let us make here three tabernacles. Wait a minute. Moses and Elijah aren't equal with the Lord. And then a voice out of heaven says, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. You don't know, think Moses, Peter was really taken aback with that? But you know when he writes his epistle you know what he said? We have something more sure than that. And that's the word of God that he's given us to minister with. We have something more glorious than those wonderful mountaintop experiences. And that's the ministry that he's given us as a church. You know sometimes it gets... Like Brother Hoyle said today, mundane. There isn't much happening. is isn't much going on. It can get discouraging. But you know, that's what real life is. That's what real life is. Just keep on keeping on. You can't live on the mountaintop. It's in the valleys where you live. And so, but we are a chosen generation. We've been chosen by God to carry on this ministry that is given to us in, in our day and time. So we're chosen generation. Not only are we a chosen generation, we are a royal priesthood. Notice it goes on and says here, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Even the Jews cannot claim this. You know, theirs was an Aaronic, Aaronic priesthood, you know, the priesthood of Aaron. Of a man, of course. Hebrews tell us all about this. You know, they were the, they they could not continue by reason of infirmity. But 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 our priesthood comes through the royal line of David in the person of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have a high priest that continueth ever, making intercession for us. Revelation one. 5 and 6. John says, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and to his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And you know, as, as priests of God we have something that the Old Testament saints didn't know about. We have direct access to God. We don't have to go to a man and confess our sins, and offer a sacrifice, and have him pour the blood on the altar for us. We don't even have to go to a man and confess him. You know, somebody said you go to a knothead and speak through a knot hole. That's about all you get. No. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens Jesus son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but as all points tended like as we are and yet without sin let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go directly to God through our Lord Jesus Christ right to the throne room of heaven. See, we're a royal priesthood. We're also, thirdly, a holy nation, he says. A holy nation. The word nation here is the Greek word ethnos, where we get the word ethnic. You talk about ethnic groups. So you're talking about a group or a multitude of individuals and really the the Thayer's uh, Rick Lexicon describes one part of the definition was a multitude of individuals of the same nature. That's what church is it's a multitude of individuals of the same nature. They have the nature of God through the Spirit of God. Yeah, the word ethnic means pertaining to or char- characteristic of a people, especially a group, sharing a common and distinctive culture, religion, language, or the like. Yeah, we were talking about this dinner table today. Yeah, this sounds terrible. But it'll sound really good to you. We'd rather spend time with you than our own family. Why? Because we have more in common. Because there's a spiritual bond. You know, many times they talk about things and we just, it's like, don't pertain to us. What do we say? So, You know, we're called a holy nation. You know, we are individuals, but we have the same nature, the same inclinations, the same things that draw us together. We're all different. We've come from different places. but we have that natural inclination. Well, it's not natural of us, but because of the spirit of God and that dwells within us, there are things that draw us together, that make us one. Then the fourth thing here he mentions is peculiar people. Now, there was a little song years ago by a a pretty uh, contemporary group used to go, you know, we're peculiar people, we rejoice when things go wrong, we, uh see how it go, we, we sit tears when we are happy, we sing a brand new song or something like that, you know. So what? Unsaved people shed tears when they're happy. And the idea of the song, at least my impression, of it, is that word were just a little bit weird. Just a little bit weird. And if and if you use the word peculiar today, that's what it means. You know, he's a little. He's about as strange as a three dollar bill. You know. You know, I had a neighbor one time, and and uh, he was he's a little bit different, but but uh, one guy described him as about about as different as a three row corn planter. There's no such thing, but uh, you know, he was just odd. But the word peculiar here means unique. A unique possession. A unique purchased possession. See, God has purchased us with the blood of his own son. And we are now his possession that makes us unique. The implication is we are of value to God. After all, we are, by adoption, his children. First Peter 1 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we were purchased at great price. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't buy junk that's expensive. Do you? I mean, I'm not going to McDonald's and paying $5 for something that's on the dollar menu. I'm sorry, I'm not paying $5 for anything that's on the dollar menu. So I don't think. But, uh, but, you know, I'm not paying big money for junk. Something that's of no value. Titus 2.14 Titus 2.14 says Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and, and purify in himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You see, God has chosen us to represent him. And we are a peculiar treasure, if you will. You know, the word is used to describe Israel in a couple of places. And and one of the things he says about Israel is, He "He that toucheth Israel toucheth the what? Apple of mine eye. Do you like somebody messing with the apple of your eye? that's fighting territory. And you mess with God's people, that's fighting territory for the Lord. In fact, that's why he said to Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So we are chosen to represent him. Third thing we see here, we are to have a conversation that glorifies him. Verses 11 and 12. Verse 11-12 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the, school, the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So God desires and expects that we have a conversation, a manner of life, that a, a lifestyle that glorifies Him. And He has made that possible. Again, as we continue to believe on Him, and we're not ashamed, if we're not ashamed of Him. We will live to please Him. You know, we're we are strangers and pilgrims here. The world thinks we're a little strange. That is a small sacrifice we pay. You know, it really, you know, when you really think about it, it's more apparent to women than it is to men. You know, women stand out, women that dress to please the Lord stand out more than men because of the the dress standards issue, the dress issue in our society. But, but be that as it may, we are, we are strangers and pilgrims. We're not home. This isn't our home. And and we we are to abstain from fleshly lusts. Notice, these things war against the soul. They will corrupt us. So we're to have our conversation honest among the Gentiles. Uh, Of course, the word Gentile here means unsaved or the heathen. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So so we're to abstain from those fleshly lusts. We're to have honest and upright living that'll be characterized by good works. Now, Ephesians two eight nine or Ephesians two eight through ten says, "Not uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His." workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in Him. Ephesians 1, 5, I think it is, says that He's chosen us in Him to be holy and without blame before Him in love. God is desires that we be holy, that we live lives that are pleasing and in Him, that are characterized by good works, which it says, they shall behold. In other words, they will See, that is evident. Years ago, see, before I was in the ministry, we worked with another farmer, my brother and I, and we'd helped. We helped a lot with the field work, and I, I'm sort of mechanical, so I did. not Ended up with a lot of mechanic work, and the the, uh, the owner of the farm there, he he kind of saw that kind of quickly, and, and he even bought me my first set of tools. Well, they had a silo unloader, and I hate silo unloaders. But they had a silo unloader was, that needed a lot of repair. So I was up there one day, and I was trying to get a bolt off. Well, you know, salads there's acid and juice, and it makes things rust, and so it wouldn't come off. So I had to take a hammer and chisel. And cut it. So I'm holding the chisel and whacking away. And of course, you can imagine what I did. I missed the chisel. And I hit my thumb. I, went, I don't know why I stuck it in my mouth. It was very i like that. And the son was standing there watching me. And he just shook his head, he said. And didn't even swear. That's all he said. Didn't even swear. What good to swear and do anyway? But you know that's what the world does. You see, the, the, they should behold our good works, and when it, the, the phrase "glorify God" in the day of visitation, the day of visitation has the idea of the day of calamity, when something catastrophe strikes at their house. guests will, though, look for hope and for help. This was illustrated to me years ago. There was a guy by the name of Willard Carper. Willard Carper was a, a uh, appliance repairman. He went to church where my wife went to Christian school. Anyway, and I knew Willard pretty well. But he was telling me one day, he said uh, he had this neighbor across the street who was an alcoholic. And he said I tried to witness to him, and he didn't, he didn't want anything to do with it. And every time I get a chance to see him and a good chance to witness, and, you know, I witness to him. But he said he just he didn't want anything to do with me. He said, "Well, he had a heart attack. He, of course, ended up in hospital." And he said, "Guess what? He didn't call his drinking buddies. He called me. Why did he call Willard? Cause he had." beheld Willard's life and knew he had hope. So the day of visitation, he looked Willard. See, God wants us, he's chosen us to represent him, to have a conversation that glorifies him so that when calamity strikes to the lost, they have somewhere to look for hope. There's no hope in the world. There's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. You know, we ought to live in a way that shows we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we, we can have confidence in Him. A confidence that glorifies the Lord. As we continue to believe and trust in him. And rest in his promises. Might God help us. To have that confidence. That will help others. Look to us for hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we do thank you again. For the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge that it gives to us. Thank you for the encouragement. That we find therein. Thank you for the confidence we can have. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the love they had for us in giving his life, that we might have life in him. Help us to rejoice in that and rest in your promises, and to go forth with confidence, knowing we have the truth, the truth that can set people free. We pray in Jesus' name.